in Psalms. Feedback okay, yeah? So if we're in Psalms, then you need to take your Bible to the middle and turn to Psalms, correct? Mm, not today. We're going to go to Luke 24. Why, why Luke, Daryl? Because everything in the Bible lines up. Getting a bit of feedback here, but you want to swap marks there? Everything in the Bible lines up. And my struggle is that I don't at times see how the Bible lines up, and, and it's confusing. And, and then I, I, I listen to a preach of this top shot preacher, and he just brings it all together, and I'm like, how does he do this? Has he got a hotline to heaven, and he can just line everything up in the Bible? And so, I don't know about you, but I'll go on to a reading plan, and I'll start reading in Genesis. I'll get to Exodus, and I'll find out a bit of legislation about how I'm allowed to hit my slave. But if my slave dies, then I have to go to court. But if I hit him just enough and he goes to hospital and he comes out of hospital, then he's okay. Then I'm off the hook. And you're thinking, how the heck does that all line up? And, and you get through that and you get to Leviticus. My goodness. And, and you start reeling there about goats and gallbladders and pigeons being cut in half. You think, now what about all that? How does that make sense to me? It's crazy how, how you read these stories. And I'll tell you a secret. When I read some of the Psalms, it's exactly like that. I think, how does this apply to me? What, what, is, what is it all about? It's exactly like that in the Psalms. And there's 150 of them. So to answer your question, we'll, we'll have 150 weeks of Psalms. But, okay, maybe not. Let's just stick to the basics. Psalm 23. And if we're really bored for two hours, we'll go through Psalm 119. The long one. But, but how, how do these Psalms tie up? And I often wonder if David was sitting somewhere at Freedom Church and, and I had a cappuccino with him, I'd probably say something like this, but I think you need to see my psychologist because <laughs> uh, I've got one and I'd send him to her because I'm like, where, where's this oak's mind? It, it, it just doesn't tie up. He's up and, and then he's down. You've read some of those Psalms? Have you? And, and, and then you read a Psalm where it speaks about revenge. And it says there, Lord, strike my enemy on the mouth. Who's your enemy? Well, on Thursday, I was riding the bike with a couple of my mates, and an enemy came and tried to ride up next to me and make me go harder, and my son was on the tandem. And, and we, he, um, Lord, strike him on the mouth, man. Who's this oak? And then I was really in the dog box because my son pedaled so hard, he fell asleep in class here. My goodness, he really is my enemy. Strike him on the mouth. Have you ever prayed that prayer in a meeting? I've been in some pastor's meetings, struck him on the mouth, Lord. <laughs> Come on. And you're thinking, how does this all line up? Because some of the Psalms, there's genocide where there's racial or religious groups that, that are destroyed. And then you find Psalms talking about depression. Whew. As a Christian, you're not supposed to have emotions and feelings of, be, of being depressed. And there's doubt. And there's wrestling with life. And you think, can I actually read this? Can I actually sing this? Because Psalms are actually about singing. And then we read about cymbals and tambourines. There's that yellow tambourine lying on the stage there. And Abby with her Adidas shoes been whacking it a bit. And I don't see any of you putting your name down to say, I'll give the tambourine a go. The tambourines and cymbals. Then you read about drums. And, and, and drummers, oh, let's put them in a glass box. Give themselves a little headache. It's too loud for us. How, how do the Psalms all tie up your friends? Imagine that Jesus arranged a life group at grassroots this Wednesday, and he got us together, and he told us about the Psalms. Can you imagine? It would be amazing. Because this is exactly what happens in Luke 24. Jesus, 
He's telling his disciples an amazing story. Let me just give you a bit of background here. Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen again. And, and one or two people have seen him. And his disciples are walking down this road. It's on the road to Emmaus. Some of you heard of that road. Emmaus, don't forget that, that word. And so there's a, a, a guy called Cleopas, and there's another guy, he doesn't get a name, he's some other cats, I like that, his name doesn't get mentioned. And Cleopas and this other dude are walking along the road, and, and they're like, yes, I don't know about this. And, and Jesus is with them, they don't know it's him. He's walking, disguised somewhat, and, and he's listening to them talking. And I can imagine him listening to them telling a story about Jesus, and he's with him, and he's, he's, he's saying, what are you pondering about? What are you, what are you talking about? And he says, well, they, they're telling each other he was a guy, he died on the cross, and he rose, and someone's seen him, but we don't quite understand. And, and he's saying, tell me more. Tell me more. He, does, he wants to find out the story about himself. It's like a mate of mine. Goes straight out of Bononi to America, lands at uh, Disneyland. Orlando takes his kids to Disneyland. And there's long queues into the different rides. And he's standing with his family. And behind him is another family talking in Afrikaans. Probably from Pretoria. And they, they're talking about, about families and people there. And oh, look what she's wearing. And frustrated about the rides. And, and no one understands them. And so they get to the front of the ride ready to jump on. And my mate turns around to this Afrikaans family. And he shouts out loud in front of everyone. Totsin's yella. And, and like they're shocked. It's like, I can't believe he, he understands. He, he knows what, what, we, what we're talking about here. This is exactly what happens here in this story with Cleopas and this other cat talking about Jesus. Go to verse 25. Got your Bible? Luke 24, verse 25. We're going to read it together. Please, friends, please, friends, bring your Bible and your smartphone to church because it's not on the board. Jesus says, how foolish you are. Talking to Cleopas and the other cats. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to show you these things and then enter his glory? Catch this here. And beginning with Moses. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's amazing. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets. In this Bible study, Jesus says, do you understand Habakkuk? Mm, No, not really. Let me tell you. Let me explain to you about Habakkuk. He interprets to them in all the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. What a privilege to have been walking on this road with Jesus, telling these guys about the Old Testament, giving them parts to the Old Testament that he fulfills, that only he alone completes, and that only he alone interprets. Why? Because Jesus himself was the perfect interpreter of scripture. He alone was the word of God in the flesh. Look at the result. Go to verse 32. Jesus is speaking to them. They're saying, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us? I love the NIV there. Jesus is walking with his disciples on the road. He's not talking at them. He's not talking to them. He's not talking down upon them. He's talking with them. Beautiful, eh? Were not our hearts burning while he talked with us on that road? Friends, if we're reading the Bible correctly, our hearts should be burning as we read the scriptures together. And maybe if our hearts aren't burning, maybe we're not reading them correctly. Next time you read the Bible, just in your own way, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through through what I'm reading today. Holy Spirit, make my heart burn today as I read the word. Don't just read the Bible, friends. 
Back to our story. Jesus goes on. He meets his disciples. And the funny thing is now they do the whole touching of hands and touching of feet thing. Because they're like, oh, let me see. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It might be him, but I'm not too sure. And that's what happens. And, then, and then, then, then Jesus asks for something to eat. He says, does anybody have something to eat? Now, for me, I'm doing that quite often with my wife. Babe, you've got something to eat. You've got a bar. You've got something. Jesus also asks for something to eat. He's very clever because he's got a resurrected body. And he wants them to see that he can eat. And they're like, I wonder what's going to happen to the food that he eats. Shows them he's got a resurrected body through this Bible study. And if you don't understand the Psalms, just like me, here's the key. That unlocks the Psalms. Verse 44. He says to them, this is what I told you. While I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and all the Psalms. And the Psalms. Everything about me, Moses, and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand The scriptures. God, open our minds in this hall today so that we can understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and will rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's what's happening today in the school hall where I see people coming to hear about repenting and asking for forgiveness of sins. And it's one of the greatest stories fulfilled through our wonderful King Jesus. And the Psalms are all about Jesus, the suffering, the resurrection, the salvation, and the mission of our King, Jesus, from the Psalms. And he says all 150 of them, in some way, talk about Jesus. I found three for us in Benoni today, three Psalms that we're going to look at, and I want to speak three words of encouragement over all of us here this morning at Church Friends. And I pray that just like Cleopas and the other cat, that our hearts will burn as we read the scriptures together today. First one, Psalm 2. Can we turn there to Psalm 2? I love hearing the pages of Bibles being turned. Psalm 2. This is the first point of today. And, and when we read it now, you're going to say, Daryl, it feels to me like it's been written very recently for us in South Africa and maybe other countries in the world. Why do the nations conspire you with me big word do something wrong why do they do something wrong why do the nations do evil or illegal and the people's plot in vain we see rulers of the world and those in authority going against god friends but reading this now we realize it's always been this way not just the last couple of years been like this for hundreds of years raging against god plotting against god trying to overthrow god's ways verse 2 The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. This unique passage, Psalm 2, could be written for us today in South Africa. Friends, how many of you are frustrated, mad about politics and politicians in the last couple of months? Yeah? Well, I hope we're as frustrated and, and mad and concerned about the politicians from the 80s. That's food for thought. Psalm 2 is telling us to put our hope not in kings and in nations, but in the king of kings, Jesus, who is on the throne. And Psalm 2 is saying, don't worry. There's a warning to leaders of nations of what they should be thinking about. 
But what about us? What about you and I? Because I still rage war against the Lord. I don't like to, to admit it, but I do. Especially when I'm living for Jesus on the straight road. And I want everything to go and be plain sailing. And then I face hardships and, and challenges and there's pain and there's suffering. And I say, this is too hard. God, what you're doing is too painful. This iron rod in my mouth, dentist, take it out. I don't want it. God, give me a break. And, and we set ourselves against God and those who sit on the throne. And, and we think of God's instructions to us as bonds or, or cords. And, and we don't like that. We, we do the same thing. We want all the blessings of being a Christian. I want his grace. I want his favor. I want his protection. I want his mercy. But God, don't give me instructions because I don't want the responsibility of being a Christian. And we love King Jesus. Yes, we do. That's why we're here on a Sunday. And we, we love the fact that he's forgiven us. But when he tell us, tells us, love your neighbor, Daryl, as you love yourself, and then he defines my neighbor as my worst enemy. My goodness. I mean, how does that all make sense? And No, that sounds like a cord or a bond. And then he, he tells us to live with purity. It sounds like a cord. That, that sounds like a bond. And he calls us to be generous and to give of our time when people ask for our time. Mm, it sounds like a bond or a cord. And then he says, forgive so that you too have been forgiven that same way. Oh God, that feels like a bond or a cord. And I still rage war against God in my heart when I sin. Because I, I end up saying to God, I want my way. I want my plans. I want my dreams. And they feel better. They, they probably are better than your plans, your dreams for my life. I can do this better, God. I can do this my way. You know what's sad for me? I'll be honest. I've never once regret, regretted doing what God's told me, led me to do. Never once. And I'm so glad that, that at times the Holy Spirit takes over and the flesh doesn't take control of, that, of me in that situation. But next time the flesh wants to give in. It's like, what's up with that? Why do I still have that, that tugging? Thank God for his grace. For a little fox like me that can so easily spoil the vine. How does God respond to individuals and to nations that try and dethrone him? Look what he does here. I love Psalm 2. Go to verse 4 there. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Hey? It's like, hey, I didn't see that coming. I, I didn't see the bulls being overthrown yesterday when the stormers kicked them in the last extra, extra, extra time. No surprises for God. What a warning, friends. He laughs. He mocks them. He makes fun of them. Maybe this is a side to God that we've never really thought about. He laughs at them. And, and he scoffs at them. He rebukes them, verse 5, in his anger. And he terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. That is God's plan for those who oppose him. That's God's response to us who try and dethrone him. First he laughs because, he, because we want to try and dethrone him. And then he tells us his response to our rebellion. He says, I've sent King Jesus, my son, in response to your rebellion. And he is there and nothing and no one can move him. He's 200% certain of the work of his son, Jesus. Verse 7, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Where have we heard that from, friends? Remember Jesus got baptized, that loud booming voice from heaven. That's my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with him. 
And today, as Alex gets baptized, that voice, that's my son Alex. And as he baptizes his wife, that's my daughter. God's saying, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. Verse 8, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Who's God giving this to, friends? Who's he talking to? He's talking to Jesus. He's telling his son, Jesus, I will give you the nations and the ends of the earth, and you will break them with a rod of iron. He's telling this to his son. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. I got a heart once in primary school of a pottery heart from my girlfriend, and she hurt my heart, and I broke it. I remember throwing it against the wall. That's what's going to happen, yeah, friends? <laughs> Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be king of your family, King Daryl. Be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his ruling with trembling. My goodness. The psalmist goes on. He says, kiss the sun while you still have time. Friends, when I, when I read this, I, I think of all the people that are living wicked, devious rebellious lives, and they're prospering. Haven't you thought of people like that? I mean, they're doing those deals, and they're living like that, and they're prospering, and, and they're getting away with it. And then my Bible tells me, Daryl, what about your own heart? Don't worry about them. Worry about your own heart. And Jeremiah 17 says, my heart, Daryl, your heart is deceitful above all things. But don't you sometimes look at people and think they're getting away with things? God, God, why? You know, I'm living this Christian life on the straight road, and, and they're getting away with it, and they're prospering. Psalm 2 is telling us that Jesus is in control and he's one day going to bring all things under his glorious and righteous rule. All things, those people that we're thinking about and me and you, everyone. It's just a matter of time. He's sitting with that iron rod ruling and reigning. And in the meantime, friends, let's serve the Lord on the straight road and rejoice because he has set his son on Zion's hill and nothing and nobody will overthrow King Jesus. But here's our problem. You, you know what my problem is? I, I don't see Jesus in, in, the, in the right way. I've got the wrong view of Jesus. I, I think if we view Jesus in a proper way, even sitting here today, we would be probably worshiping him in a different way. Because we think of Jesus like this. He's very well-groomed. Uh, he's distant. He's cheerful. And, and he's got a moral saying for every occasion. Is that the way you view Jesus? David's view of Jesus, our king, is very different, friends. He's saying that King Jesus is ruling and reigning with an iron rod, and he is coming for the nations. And he's going to judge the nations. We need to remember that our king is set and he's established. Amen. There's that movie that I watch with my kids, um, C.S. Lewis. The Lion, the Witch, and, and the, the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia. It's good. I, I like it. And there's the scene in this movie there where little Lucy, little girl's about, about to meet King Aslan, the lion. That's the king. And she says to Mr. Beaver, she says, Mr. Beaver, is Aslan safe? And Mr. Beaver looks at her and he says, safe? Who said anything about safe? He's good, but he's the king. That's our King Jesus, friends, as he rules and he reigns. In this state of the world, in the state of my wicked heart, he's good. And he's ruling and he's reigning. And one day, 
when this race is over for me and for you and we cross that finish line, we're going to see our king face to face. But in the meanwhile, let's speak Psalm 2 to each other and remind each other that he is our king and he's ruling and reigning and nothing takes him by chance. Number two, he's our savior. Turn to Psalm 22 with me, please. Psalm 2 was the first one. Psalm 22 is the second one. I've shared a little bit together with us as a family at Freedom about Psalm 22, but I know, you know what? I've got to be reminded because I forget. And so we're going to read quite a bit. Michelle's sister said, okay, please, let's put this on the board for them because we are reading quite a bit on Psalm 22. And I, I never want to apologize for reading too much at church. Because the, 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 the two-edged sword, the ultimate voice of authority, is all I have. And I have a few testimonies of what God is doing in people's hearts, but this is all i got. i got no clever stories here and some one-line statements for you. I've only got the word. And so we're going to make sure that we carry on reading from God's word. Psalm 22. Thanks, Joe. Where are we? My God. My God. Why? Why? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? Have we heard this before, friends? Can you imagine if you were looking at Jesus on the cross that day that he died, and, and for the Jews, they knew the Torah, and, and they would have heard him saying this from the cross, thinking, he's quoting Psalm 22. What is this about? And then it would have got dark. And that veil torn in two, and maybe they were standing thinking, maybe he is the Messiah. As he quoted Psalm 22. See how the Bible lines up here, friends. He's quoting Psalm 22. It's all about him. I wonder if it's him they must have been saying. Verse 2, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises in you. Our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out, and they were saved. In you they trusted, and they were not put to shame. But Jerry says, but I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned by everyone. I'm despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him. Since he delights in him, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. Even at my mother's breast from birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Don't be far from me, for trouble is near. There's none to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. What's that all about? There was a country called Bashan. They were known for the way they bred their bulls. And they were fierce and they were strong, somewhat like the fear that the world has of the Springboks in South Africa. Some, somewhat. S somewhat. <laughs> Roaring lions that tear their prey open, their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot's hurt. It's a broken piece of pottery. That's what it means. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A 
pack of villains or gangsters encircle me. They pierce my hands and feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. And they divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly. Come quickly to help me. Freedom Church, let's speak to one another with Psalm 22 today. If you're sitting here and you've come in with a cappuccino and you're doubting the love of God towards you, then please think about Psalm 22 that was written hundreds of years before Jesus even went to the cross. Psalm 22 speaks of David's sorrows in the caves. Yes, it does. But it also speaks about the sorrow and the pain that Jesus went through as he came to take your place. Let's look at the, some of the things that Jesus experiences and goes through in Psalm 22. Uh, maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking of a colleague who is downcast, asking questions negative about God. And maybe, maybe to this week you're going to take them for a cappuccino and, and you're going to share Psalm 22 with them. You're going to disciple somebody. Oh, Daryl, do I need to do a course to do that? No. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak in and through you as you take someone for a cappuccino and speak Psalm 22 into their situation. Friends, Jesus wants us to make disciples, and it's not difficult. I sat with Terence this week. Little, little Ian is going through some health conditions with a tumor on his brain and what the doctors are saying and what they're saying you should and shouldn't do. And, and he's saying, I don't know. God, God hears. I, I know God lives, but he's not hearing me, Daryl. Why is he not listening to me? Why is he not answering me, Daryl? And I'm sitting there saying, Lord, what do I say to this husband, this, this dad of Ian? Take him to Psalm 22. Because Jesus felt exactly the same way that Terence feels. God, where are you? Why are you not listening to me? And I don't think it's wrong for us to ask, God, where are you? Even Jesus asked, God, where are you? Verse 1, he was utterly forsaken. Why was Jesus forsaken? So that we will never be forsaken by our Heavenly Father. Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you ever felt ignored? It's like, God, where are you? Psalm 22 is for you. Verse 6, he was scorned and despised. Why was he scorned and despised? So that we can experience the deep love of our Father. Verse 7, he was mocked. People mocked at him. Why? So that we can be unashamed. And live free from the approval of man. I want to say to you, ma'am, so are you still trying to live for the approval of your boss? Are you still trying to live for the approval of, of, of your family or, or your colleagues? It's been paid. Price has been paid. Stop living for the approval of man, friends. Verse, verse, uh, let's just jump in. Verse 14, he was poured out. Poured out. Why? Why? So that you can be filled up. That the Holy Spirit can fill you and I up. His bones were dislocated. Why? So that you can be grafted into a new body in the family at church. Verse 14 still. He had a broken heart that bled out. Why? So that your heart maybe, who has been broken from somebody, from a relationship, can be whole and healed again. Verse 15. He was weak. Why was he weak? So that our strength can rise, not in our own strength, but in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. He was surrounded by a gang, an evil gang. Why? So that we can experience his surrounding protection. 
Psalm 22 is very deep, friends. It, it, it shares with us the deep meaning of King Jesus who was crucified in your place. And Psalm 22 is the evidence of God's love towards us. Let's speak out Psalm 22 to each other, friends. And let's never doubt God's love for us. Don't doubt it. I'm going to recap quickly. Psalm 2 is about Jesus, our King. Psalm 22, He's the wonderful Savior. Let's speak Psalm 22 to each other. And the last one today, Christ is our high priest so that we can run to the Father. Psalm 110. Can you turn with me there, please, to Psalm 110? It's, it's not on the screen. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, th- thanks, Richie. Sorry, not sorry. You guys with me? The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter. That's the iron rod that Jesus rules and reigns with in Psalm 2. We read about that. He will extend your scepter saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like you from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now some of you are saying, Daryl, I get Psalm 2 that Jesus is the king. I get Psalm 22 that he's our wonderful savior. But this Melchizedek dude, is he not from the Lord of the Rings? Who's this oak? And whenever you don't understand something in the Bible, go to the Bible. If you don't understand something, Go, go and find it in the New Testament. The, this, this reference is mentioned seven times in the New Testament. And the best place to find this is in Hebrews chapter 4 and 5. Daryl, you've lost me. I don't even know where Hebrews is. Please, friends. Please, friends. When I don't understand my wife, I Google. I try Google. When you, when you don't understand the book of the Bible, go to the index. Where, where's the book of the Bible? It's the sixth last book in the New Testament. Please, you have to turn there with me. Don't be embarrassed, friends. I've sat in church for many years. I don't know where that book is. I'm not going to find it. Find it. We have to look at it together today. Hebrews chapter, chapter 4. Sixth last book in the Bible. It's after Timothy, after Titus, after Philemon. It's just before James. Stay with me, friends. I'm nearly done. But I don't want to rush this. This is so powerful. It's proper. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are telling us that Jesus is better than angels. It says Jesus is better than Moses. And then we read this powerful proper statement. It says Jesus is better than the high priest. And it's saying why would you want to run back to the law when Jesus is better than anything you can possibly find in the law? I spoke to a man this week and he was telling me why he, he lives for Jesus, why he comes to church, why he does the things that he does. And I see, I see him sitting here today, and I want to say to that man, no, no, just come to Jesus. Stop the doing. Just come to Jesus. Because this is what the, the writer of Hebrews is telling us. The writer of Hebrews is saying, stand firm. Stand firm. That's the message of Jesus. It's saying, Christ is better. Stand firm. Let's have a look there and see what it says in verse 14 of chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus the Son of God who has ascended into heaven, let us hold firmly, let us stand firm to the faith 
we profess. Just hold firmly. Just stand believing in Jesus. I want to say to that man, just stand. Just stand and believe in Jesus. Why? Because it says we have got a high priest like Melchizedek in the heavens who is ruling and reigning. Look at verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way. My goodness. Tempted in every way. Do you believe the Bible? Yes, I do, Daryl. You can't tear this page out of the Bible. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Not like worms dragging ourselves on our bellies. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why can we come with confidence, friends? Because we have a high priest. Let us come with confidence to the throne of grace. And we're going to find mercy. And we're going to find grace and help in our time of need. Look at me, friends. Give me your attention. Darling, yeah, when we're weak, not if, when. When we're weak, which is for me on Tuesday. I mean, we've had a power Sunday, fun day. Monday, I'm still running with a bit of gas. Tuesday, ooh, I'm starting to wobble there. Jesus knows how that feels. You know that? It says there, he empathizes and he sympathizes with our weaknesses. How many of you think that Jesus is very disappointed with, with, with you in your weaknesses? I mean, he kind of digs you with your strengths. He kind of digs you when, you, when you're doing well. But when you're weak, it's like, oh, come on, Daryl. You, you think of Jesus like that? When, when you're weak, you know what he says? He says, I know that feeling. I remember, I remember that pressure. I experienced that. That's what Jesus says. Betrayal from a friend. Oh, you know, I, I, got, I got a story about that. Hunger. Oh, I remember hunger. Poverty. I saw it with my own eyes. Anxiety. Guys, I sweated blood. I know. Whatever it is, whatever weakness. He goes, yeah, that one, that one too. I know that. And then this is very amazing. Tempted in every way. I looked up the original Greek. You know what it is? Tempted in every way. Tempted to lose hopelessness. He was. Tempted to dial out of a routine. Whew, that's a big one. Tempted to, to go to the beach, walk along the sea, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and it'll all go away. Tempted to dial out of Monday to Sunday life. He was. It's got to be more exciting things to this routine life. He, and he knows that. 30 years, the carpentry shop. <laughs> Plating that tree. <laughs> and his mate says, uh, your, your dad's your boss. And he's like, yeah, do you, do you know who I am? The tree that we're sanding, I, I created, I made this tree. That sounds like a waste of time. 30 years. <sighs> Talk about routine. Tempted in every way. Tempted to blow your fuse. How about that one? Imagine how it was for Jesus walking around every day with Peter, James, and John. So uh, Jesus, mm, how about uh, we can sit at your right hand? No. No, don't be stupid. Tempted to blow his fuse with people around him? You think Jesus wasn't tempted to lust? 
Because often I think we give Jesus this superhero, get out of lust-free card. Yeah. I think Jesus wasn't tempted to lust. Like when the lady's walking to the room, then, then he's suddenly God's son. It's like, hello, sister. <laughs> huh? Think about that. You, you think they weren't some absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, well-tanned, fit, middle-aged woman just wanting to meet the new rabbi in town? Tempted in every way. Tempted on the smartphone. You've got a sympathetic high priest sitting there who was tempted in every way. And he's saying, I know. I know what it was like to be tempted. Run. Run. Don't do it. Whatever weakness, whatever temptation we feel in this life, we have a high priest right now in the order of Melchizedek who never needs to sacrifice anything for himself because he never failed. But he also never lacks empathy for those who do fail because he understands. He really does. He really does understand the feeling of temptation. The writer of Hebrews says that we can and we must approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we can receive mercy and find grace. How, friends? Look at verse 5 of chapter 5. Go there. Hebrews 5, chapter 5, chapter five verse 5. So Christ, you got it? So Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. That's amazing. He didn't take it upon himself. God said to him, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. That's Psalm 2 verse 7 again. Friends, see how it lines up? He says to him in another place, carry on reading, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7 is one of the most remarkable, powerful pieces in the Bible. Let's read it there, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard... Because of his reverent submission, Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. You don't think that you need to pray. The Son of God, Jesus, had to pray, friends. And sometimes he prayed and he was so anxious that he prayed with loud cries and tears. Jesus prayed to him. He was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reference. This is an amazing thing in this verse. He was heard. His father heard him. But the answer from his father was, no. We, 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 we treat prayer like some kind of uh, we, um, we, uh, message in the bottle type thing. Oh, God, pray. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, God, save you from death. Yeah. That, that's how we treat prayer. Scripture tells us he, he cried out with tears and anxiety and distress. The father hears him. He heard his son. And his answer was the cross. You know, sonship and daughtership is something that we still got to get our heads around, friends. You're a son, you're a daughter of the living God. Jesus was a son. He learned obedience through what he suffered. And when you and I are daughters, doesn't mean, sons and daughters, doesn't mean that we escape suffering. Jesus didn't escape suffering. Verse 9, he didn't escape suffering. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of salvation to all who obey him. Why? Verse 10, he was designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, a high priest like no other. Freedom Church, Jesus prayed with loud tears 
and he cried out. He knows how it feels to pray with loud cries and with tears. He learned obedience through long periods of suffering, friends. And he had to wrestle through how that suffering was part of his sonship. He knows. He knows how that feels. And today, today Jesus is our designated high priest. He's your advocate. He's your older brother. And he knows what you're going through. And he will never, never leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And so, friends, on the Sunday, the 21st of October, I want us to sit here with great confidence to be able to run. To be able to run to the throne of grace. Because we are certain that our high priest, King Jesus, is there on our behalf. Please, friends. I want to say, please, friends, let's continue to speak to one another and to sing to one another with psalms and with hymns and with spiritual songs. Tell yourself, tell your friends that Jesus Christ is our King both now and forever. Use Psalm 2 to do that. Tell your friends and your family that He's our wonderful Savior and He will never leave you. Use Psalm 22 to do that. And tell them that we can run to our Heavenly Father because of Psalm 110. May we speak these psalms to each other for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name.